0: Welcome to Lumiant Live. I'm your host, Mark Ackroyd. Lumiant Live is the podcast for advice professionals that believe in a values-based advice experience, but still have that question, how does it all work? We connect listeners with other advice professionals to hear best practice client stories or business examples and lift the lid on how they made it happen. Now, on to today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Lumiant Live. Uh, another very exciting first for our podcast. Our first UK guest uh, today, we've got Dan Graham from Next Gen Planners. G'day, Dan. How are you?
1: Hello, mate. I'm good. Thank you very, very much for having me. I didn't know that I was the first UK guest, so now I am feeling very very much under pressure to represent <laughs> our country.
0: The, the entire country uh the the motherland for us Australians so
1: um <laughs> yeah. we're, yeah, we're actually recording you. this at Our we're actually recording this at a bit of a weird time as well aren't we when there's, there's certain things going on for both of our countries um so yeah I hope i represent our country well
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll be okay we I've deliberately picked a time where we're not playing cricket against each other um, which will confuse all our American guests, but our Australian, uh our Australian listeners will will realise what we're talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean for, for any American listeners, cricket is basically just an even slower version of baseball, really, isn't it? I mean Yeah, when that's you, a really good way to think put about it. it. That's how I usually say it.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and take yeah. all the logical rules that you have for baseball and make them illogical. Um and yeah. you've got cricket. Yeah. <laughs> we could we could talk on that for an hour but um, for those that don't know uh, Dan, um, Dan's the, the head of community experience at nextgen planners and he's also the chief designer at Doc Vinci and I love this about Dan's bio here. Dan is on a mission to transform financial planning into an innovative, innovative dynamic and diverse profession and bring financial services into the 21st century. Dan, um, super impressive. It, you know, it'll probably resonate with our audience now as to why we've got you on, someone is forward-thinking of yourself. But tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your story outside of your buyer.
1: Mm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's a few things in there that perhaps need a little bit of kind of extrapolation of like, so for instance, what does diverse mean? What does innovative mean? And we can talk about those things Um. this and i think it might need to just be explained a little bit more but again i don't want to bore people with my story too much but i'm qualified as a financial planner in 2000 and uh god can't believe i've just forgotten that 2018 i think it was (laughs) um and so basically here in the uk you have to like pass a benchmark to become a a financial planner and was doing that passed that okay and then was on the route to becoming what we call chartered here in the uk I, I, do you i think you guys might have that in australia as well yeah right? we've um, got yeah
0: yeah we've got c uh cfa uh, cfps
1: yeah so um was on the route to to bec- becoming that and basically just had a massive i think i was 25 at the time or 24 and I had a huge like epiphany about you know i didn't feel like i was doing what i was I wanted to do. Um, I felt like financial planning is a fantastic profession to work in. It's a great career choice, but it wasn't for me just yet. But I still wanted to work in financial planning um, because it's such a great profession. But I was really interested in the marketing stuff and seeing how much our profession or industry or whatever you want to call it is in need, desperate need of that kind of help it just made a logical kind of progression to get more involved in that kind of stuff and then for anyone who doesn't know next gen planners we're a community here in the uk of financial planners who are i consider the the best financial planners in the profession here in the uk and globally actually um they are the ones who are the trailblazers they're the ones who are really really pushing forward with proper financial planning so it's getting away from the you know, financial advice of perhaps 20, 30 years ago and really getting to the crucial nitty gritty parts of what makes a good financial planner. And being surrounded by those guys all the time is where that kind of, the th- the mission has came from. So I just basically take what those guys are doing and try and help other people to do those kind of things as well. And if we all do it, if we all get involved, if we all stick together and share ideas. And, you know, because when I mean, we are in competition with each other technically as financial planners, but in reality, you know, there's more clients out there than we could possibly ever serve anyways. So if we all work together, imagine the changes that we could make to our profession. There's still a long way to go. And I think if we all do come together and share ideas and stuff like that, it will, we'll will get there. And then on the in the bio as well. Again, I'm gonna shut up in a second and let you ask your proper questions, Mark, but yeah. um, on the bio, those there's, there's there's two things in there, which is diverse and innovative. So the diverse thing is something that I think I, I I don't think anyone in the audience would would probably disagree that we're not overly diverse just yet as a profession. We're getting better. And I'm always someone who's kind of um, I mean, this is this is this is coming from a white male. I'm not middle-aged, but a white male. So Obviously, my experience is different to those who are marginalized. But from my perspective, I am seeing a growth in diversity. And I think those people, you know, those marginalized groups would probably agree with me as well. But I get really annoyed when people say that you can't force in inverted commas diversity or that you shouldn't push for it and you should just let it happen. That's a ridiculous notion, I think. I get where it's coming from, but it's an idealistic notion. In reality, you can push and you can strive for diversity. So we've done this at NextGen, for instance. We've had a a conference every single year for the last five or six years. And for the last three years, we've continuously had a red line of the speakers have to be directly equal. There has to be 50% um, female and 50% male. And we've achieved that every single year. And, you know, all of the other things that we do, for instance, we don't speak on all male panels, that's pushing diversity, that's striving for diversity as well. Um, and all it's doing really is allowing other voices to be heard. You know, we can we can look at all the different things out there about the, the definitions of diversity and stuff like that, but that's reality all it is um and then on the innovation side obviously we're seeing a lot of innovation in our profession and just like you guys are doing at lumion as well which is fantastic um so i don't think we can get to where we want to be without having that as part of our mission statement as well um so that was a very 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 long-winded story and i i I hoped to keep it short
0: no i like it and i appreciate it it gives great context and um shows why why you're a guest for us right the, that breadth of thinking um is what our industry uh, regardless of of country borders uh needs um and it's it's warming to to hear you say that but one one bit in your bio that we haven't probably unpacked just yet is is your company dop vinci um give us a couple 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 lines on on what that is um cuz you you do that as part of your work right now as well right
1: yeah. So it's an interesting story story with Doc Finchie because, like everything else, well, not like everything else, but a lot of things, it started as just a little side hustle that we were doing during lockdown. Yeah. And it started because I was working in a financial planning firm at the time and I was annoyed at our documents because of how dull and boring they were. But I was equally, if not more, annoyed by the stuff that I was seeing from other financial planners, not at the financial planners themselves, but at the lack of, um, opportunity or like the opportunity missed there, um, you know, documents and the beautiful stuff or not very beautiful stuff is often the stuff that people see first as your clients. So for instance, if I'm talking about terms of business and client agreement, which is the absolute bread and butter of what we used to do, that's often the first thing that you hand your clients. And for a lot of financial planners, it's a awfully designed and very, very basic word document. That is one of the most boring things in the world to read. And if your client gets that from you, why would they think that anything else along the journey is going to be anything different? So I know that the information in there isn't the most exciting stuff, but you can make it look exciting and you can make, you can signpost to the really important bits and make it a marketing tool as well. And then since then, we've gone on to do, we're really heavily building financial plans for people at the moment, because... Our profession is weird that we call ourselves financial planners, but a lot of people don't actually give financial plans, um, which is something that we're heavily working on at the moment. And then we've also gotten into the website space. We are helping people launch communities. We're helping people launch podcasts. We're helping people on the strategy side kind of just really identify what their message is and what their USP is. Um, and on social media, pretty much that whole broad spectrum of stuff that we're working a lot of people with.
0: Yeah so i think that provides amazing context uh, as to why you're here because obviously with the Lumiant Live podcast where we're looking to highlight diverse thought and forward thinking around predominantly values based advice experiences but just really great advice experiences and your reframe on you know the impression things like documents can have on clients is exactly some of the basis of the conversation that we're going to have today. So I'm super excited to get into it with you. I think our audience is going to love um, your passion and where where your head's at and some of your experiences. So so let's let's crack on. Let's get into it. There's a few things that we're going to cover today. And I know you're really passionate about a lot of uh, stuff when it comes to brand awareness, how to get your brand out there. You, You just sort of mentioned that regarding documents so why don't we why don't we start there around your views on on how uh advice uh, advice companies or advice businesses or advisors can think about their brand um across their entire business
1: Mm. so why there's 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 two different things in in this kind of world of brand and i should say by the way that i'm not a brand expert Um, There are people out there who are experts in this kind of thing, so might disagree with what I say and will probably be able to certainly add stuff onto it. But there's usually two elements of brand, which is your personal side, uh, which is your personal brand and your business brand, obviously. So those two things need to be a bit symbiotic. They need to work with each other, but they need to also be separate, as in you need to, to do different things with each one. So personal brand in a massively trust oriented profession like ours, personal brand's actually pretty strong. And I think a lot of people kind of forget how important personal brand is. And that doesn't just mean having a a colorful background behind your profile picture, like I've got on LinkedIn. <laughs> your personal brand is everything about you. You know, that's that's it. It's 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 how you portray yourself to the world. It's your your personality, it's what people think about you, what people say about you. And That is, in my opinion, that's one of the things that gets a lot of financial planners the most success. Um, Because if you're going to become a thought leader in your space, if you're going to go against the grain, if you're going to stand out from everyone else, you're going to do that in reality with a personal brand rather than with a business brand. So, like I said, they need to work together. Um, On the on the business brand side, it's pretty much the same. I always say to people that if you look the same as. As a business that's, you know, five minute walk down the road from you and a client is in a vanity uh, competition between you and them. Why would they, how would they know to choose the difference between you and them? If you look exactly the same as them, you're not giving them any kind of signpost of why you make like, sure they should come to you and work with you. So if, a really simple thing that I should just ask people to do is just do a brand audit. And that means just getting everything out that they have. So that's their website. That's the, all of their collateral, their marketing stuff, and getting it out and comparing it to that firm down the road. And if it doesn't look completely different, this is, I had I did a podcast with with someone um, uh, for, called Robert Sophia from uh, from the United States who runs a company called Snappy Kraken. And he said exactly the same. He said, if it doesn't look exactly the different, he, he termed it as retooling it which basically means you need to change it or you need to think about it in a different way. Um, So brand is really just, I I, I sometimes describe it as filling the gap that's left by somebody else. So it's, you know, what makes you different and what what makes you stand out in those different areas. And in my opinion, personal brand should be the way that a lot of financial planners should be heading nowadays.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, you. There was a little acronym you used when we were talking about uh, Doc Vinci before, USP. Um, I assume that plays a bit of a role here. Can you uh, 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 sort of uh, expand on that a little bit? So what is USP? How does that play into to the brand um, that you're talking about now?
1: Yeah, so U- USP's. USP's I think there's, there's maybe different definitions of the acronym, but I would say unique service proposition. So what that means is, is if if what, what makes your business different from others, because financial planning is so broad. So, you know, you could just have two financial planning firms that could give you exactly the same level of service. You're not going to get exactly the same level of service. So what makes you unique from somebody else? So for instance, that could be that you, do four meetings with with your clients instead of three to make sure that they that you really understand them or it could be that you offer a a a bit of like massive bit of software to do it all on rather than someone else down the road it could even go down to the levels of of niche for instance like that you only work with I don't know footballers or cricket players or something like that um that would be your unique service proposition because you know how to deal with them differently than another financial planning firm would
0: yeah yeah and um when you're doing the activity like a brand audit um how important is it to see that usp throughout all your documents
1: yeah i mean you've got to think about it from the customer's perspective obviously so if you're if you're looking at it and you can't see where the unique service is or the the usp is then your customers or clients are definitely definitely not going to be able to see that because you spend more time thinking about this than they do you know you've got to catch their attention in seconds and if they can't tell the difference between you and another financial planning firm or somebody else their brain will just tell them to just you know pick one and just go with it like and and maybe trust it because the, the, the brain just doesn't have that enough it doesn't have time to go through all those kind of things and try to find uniqueness it it should just be very very apparent that's what i think anyways
0: no it it does make sense right like um probably kicking kicking a few advisors in the teeth here but (laughs) um i apologize in advance for what i'm about to say clients don't pour over the documents we provide them as much as we think they do <laughs> no. right um so if we are giving them documents or if we are giving them experiences like we they've got to be really curated really obvious to define um what we want a client to think and feel um uh before they even get the opportunity to think and feel it themselves right
1: yeah yeah and and, and it's i mean that applies to pretty much it doesn't just by the documents it applies to everything you know it applies sure. to to uh, like we we are we are a bit more kind of um attention deficited if i can say that nowadays hey, i'll claim um, it
0: my, my english and grammar is not great so we'll take attention <laughs> deficit and,
1: yeah i come up with words all the time so sure um like we don't have the time nowadays to you know like you exactly, like you said, we don't have time to pour over the details anymore. So we are becoming kind of faster as a as a as a as, a, as a, 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 a the human race. And you know, we need to we need to capitalize on that. We need to tell people the information and what's different about us in the first sentence. No, no, no point in getting all the you know the the, the spiel out there. Literally, get to the point. That's what a lot of people are looking for nowadays. Just for you to get to the point. And that applies to websites, social media, documents, everything. Just get to the point.
0: Yeah. So let's um, let's let's go a little bit deeper on this then, right? So you've recommended that potentially one of the exercises that you can do when you're considering your your brand and, and aligning your experiences to your brand is a brand audit, so that you can sort of um, assess everything, uh, in particular against your own expectations, and then against maybe the competitor down the road. Um, but, but say I'm a business that doesn't have a firm view on what my brand is yet. Like, you know, I'm hearing this and going, oh, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. I should probably get tighter on that because I've been branded a retirement specialist for the last you know, 15 years just because I fell into it. I sort of like working with those clients, but I haven't been maybe super specific on that or I could be a little bit more differentiated. Do, do you have some tips or, or theories or or work, you know uh, insights that you work through when you're helping people build that brand for lack of a better term
1: yeah so this is probably a good time to mention the 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 framework and the book that that changed everything for for me personally and a lot of people around the world in terms of marketing so the book is called building a story brand by donald miller and it's like literally one of the only books that I've ever read. Um, I'm not a big reader, but I managed to, to give attention to this book for, you know, it's only like 200 pages, something like that. And and that shows how good it actually is. Um, and we work through that framework with every single, uh, person that uh, financial planning firm and financial planner that we work with. Um, so it focuses not on you. It focuses on the client. So, Instead of trying to rebrand ourselves to what we think we should be, we should be thinking about what the client wants from us and their biggest problems and challenges and things that keep them up at 3am and the things that, you know, they want to do in their lives and the philosophy behind it. Like what do they deserve to feel? How do they deserve to live their lives? Once you start thinking about it in that way, marketing becomes very, very easy because marketing is literally just meeting consumer needs. And if you've literally got them outlined in front of your eyes by going through this framework and answering some questions, then that makes marketing very easy because you can literally meet consumer needs because it's there in front of your eyes telling you what you need to say. So for instance, if I always, like we we give people a, a, a little checklist to do and work with them. And one of the questions is, is uh, list five negative experiences that that clients will have as a result of not working with you. So an answer, a popular answer to that is if you don't get a financial plan in place, you could die with way too much money and having not done the things that you want to do. Now that is extremely powerful language because it's, it's playing on someone's emotions, but emotions are the things that work. So if you've got that outline in front of your eyes, you know, that, you, you just you just use that all the time. it takes like 20 30 minutes to do for people to do it and once they've done it, they've basically got their whole brand message on one long PDF that they can use in all their marketing material.
0: I love that. So simple and elegant yet so rich um, and, and advisors could do that right as you pointed out, probably within half an hour um, but then pointing everything towards that is the the next challenge and getting it all aligned right?
1: yeah so, and you know there's no need for for them to for them to do sorry to interrupt mate there's, there's no, no on, need for them to do the the framework that we've like the the checklist that we've built we've basically just taken you know um the story brand framework and just do some questions about it um there'll be loads of those online you know you could literally just search story brand framework checklist or something like that and it'll come up with loads of ways for you to do it it usually takes people 20 or 30 minutes to do but it formulates everything it, website social media Everything for the firms that we work with it is the backbone of everything that they're saying to the outside world, basically.
0: Yeah, so you work with a ton of firms, whether it be through Doc Vinci or through um, your community engagement at Next Gen Planners. I love how you framed that. You know, there's enough clients out there for everyone. the The challenge for us as an industry to solve is how we band together and just be better for everyone, right? I I think we would all be united in the fact that everyone deserves financial plans or advice so uh, I love where you're heading with that I'd love to tap into your your network and your learnings from your network while we've got you because obviously you bring a a diverse um, piece of thinking given you're our first UK guest so we'd love to hear what's happening over there Uh, and you've got a great community um so based on your expertise based on your engagement with um with next gen wh- what are the observations you, you've had uh, of of the industry and you know potentially where based on your expertise we could be doing better
1: mm. there's a there's a clear low hanging fruit that I could go for which is the technology side but that's been covered Relevant to us <laughs> It's it's extremely. I mean, we could probably touch on it, um, you know. And, and I think that's that's something that we definitely need. Um, there are a lot of people working on it, um, but financial planners and financial planning firms are spending way too much time on processes that are not fit for the clients. They're not fit for the for the firm, and they're wasting hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, and hours a year. And that's not only stopping them from taking on more clients it's stopping our profession from moving forward and dealing and sorry, and working with more people as well. Um, so that's a huge thing that we have to get right is, is and and literally if you asked, because there's, there's about 800 people in our community, if you asked every single one of them what they wanted to see in the next 10 years, I would probably say a large amount of them would say better technology.
0: Yeah. But it's, but to your point, that stems from a place of process efficiency, right as opposed to where, where I'm thinking you're going with this uh, which is you could actually turn the dial on the experience side of things if you needed to
1: yeah so yeah I mean this is this is that's a very important point actually is not to get bogged down in thinking that this is going to save us tons of time but it's it, it, we're not thinking about the client in that in that scenario. Uh, And and if you're going to do marketing properly, the the client and the customer should be at the center of every single thing that you do. It should start with the customer or the client. And if it saves you some time as well, that's great. But, you know, it, it shouldn't be at the detriment of the customer or the client to make your life easier because that is literally nonsensical because the whole point that you're in business is to help clients so if you start to lose clients but your technology is amazing then you'll soon find that you've got great technology but not clients so you it 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 just makes sense to to you can do both things at once they're not mutually exclusive you know you can you can have great technology that offers a great customer experience for the clients and also makes your life easier as well and i'm seeing some great stuff um coming out and and it here especially here in the uk and in states and in australia as well there is some really really good stuff on the way um and perhaps it just hasn't reached us yet
0: yeah so if it's if it's not so if it's not tech or if tech's something that we, we can do but it's it's probably not your biggest observation what is it what are the things that you, that you think we could be doing better outside of tech uh
1: so there is there's, there's, there's obviously that the, the the diversity and inclusion point that was hard for me to say, um, and I, I personally don't know if I'm the right person to talk about that um, as a as a white male. You know, I mean, I can certainly offer my perspectives on it, um, but I shouldn't be the person who's actually I, I can be an ally and I can help those guys out at every opportunity that I get, um, but it should be, you know those guys who have the opportunity to lead that because it's 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 those who want to direct this and where, where they want to get to. But that certainly is a big thing, uh, certainly here. In, in, and and that all, not only is, is, is in our profession, but it also relates to the people that we work with, as in the clients as well. Um, if we're seen as a profession that only works with affluent, middle-aged white people, because that's who are in our profession right now, that's the people who are actually doing financial planning then we're never going to progress even further you know we we're never going to help those people who really need financial planning because they either see it as unaffordable or it's not for them because they don't look the same as as the clients as well
0: yeah yeah i mean representation matters right and uh, and you yeah, know we we our industry should reflect the the community or the people that we serve and if we go back to where we started this conversation we all ultimately want to serve more people so uh, i think that makes uh, absolute sense. Dan, if I if I pivot a little bit for us here, you know, one of the things I, I watch from your um your uh, process and experience at NextGen and uh, and the work that you do with clients is is how when you're doing your brand order or, or you know, as a result of some of the work, you, I think you you referenced it before. It's not just about documents, it's not just about experiences, but it's also around presence. Um, when you're not in front of the client so you know you're really strong on social media uh, and I think you had a post the other week around you know why why don't advisors um, use social media more can you can you sort of explain that a little bit to me what's the work that you do there what's the opportunity you see with with social media
1: yeah so, so the work I'm I'm doing is basically trying to get people to use social media um and I, I don't get me wrong. I know why there's a. I know why there's a there's a, um, a bad reputation for social media. Um, once one scroll through Twitter in the last few days, and especially with everything that's going on at the moment here in the UK, uh, it was it's a, it's a, a cesspit of of people arguing with each other and distraction and you know pointless trolling and you know awful kind of opinions being laid out. And um, social media is the kind of th- like the the cloak that allows us to be horrible to each other. And if, if you think about it in that way, then you're never going to think of it as a useful marketing tool. But if you flip that mindset, if you think of social media as the marketing tool that you should be using, and, and in my perspective, and next gen, social media is where we get the majority of our, you know, people to join our community. It's where we do the majority of our, you know, work. Um And if financial planners can think in that same mindset, if I was starting a financial planning business today, and I was thinking, where am I going to get clients from? Probably number one, or at least number two would be social media, Um, just because of the immense possibilities that are on there. You know, every single person pretty much in the Western world is on social media of some sort. Um, All you've got to do is find out which one your target audience is on, figure out a way to talk to them and leave an impact on them and leave an influence on them. and. You know, the, the, the logic behind that is simple. Whenever they think of something that they might need in terms of financial planning, you're the person that they're going to go to because they've seen something from you and you are a thought leader in their space. Now, everything I've just described there sounds I've made it sound like it's ridiculously easy and simple. It's not. We all know it's not. And and there's no point in me just telling you guys to listening to this, go on social media today and start posting something because it's just not. It's not as simple as that. And and it just doesn't work like that. You know, if someone told me that four or five years ago, i will be like, oh man, shut up. Like, I'm not going to do that. Like, it takes a lot more than that. It takes a lot more confidence. It takes a lot more testing. What works, what doesn't. You know, some stuff you'll you'll post and there's you get no engagement and you'll get nothing in on it. And it really does hurt your confidence because you think, what is the point in doing this? You know, no one's looking at it. There's no point in me doing this. But then the next day, you know, you can get a post that gets loads of engagement. You get three new clients off the back of it and it, it, it it's worth that one day for the rest of the year. Um, so it's an up and down world and it takes a lot of resilience and a lot of kind of, it takes does take a, th- a thick skin because you are going to get some people who disagree with the things you are saying on there as well. Um, but it, it's a massively powerful tool. And all I'm trying to do is get people to be a bit more confident with it. I'm not trying to get it to be their number one marketing tool and Something that's you know huge in their marketing strategy, just 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 use it, um, little and often if you can. That's that's all I'm trying to get people to do.
0: So so let's go into that a little bit because um you yeah you you made a good point. It's it seems ridiculously simple, but there is yeah you know, art behind it. Um, one of the things we hear often is uh, when we're speaking to advisors is um you know, organic growth is slowing in in some of the markets that we serve in particular Um, so take the us for example we know that that organic growth is 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 hard to achieve so this seems like something that could be a great tool to to try and stimulate some of that organic growth so we've probably got a bit of a captive audience here going well okay all right if i wanted to have a crack at social media um what what do i do so what would be some tips or, or actions that you you might recommend when you're working with um, people in your community to to get started on uh, on social media?
1: God, there's there's so many. I'm 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 just gonna I'm just gonna literally just wax lyrical, and you can Go. stop me when. Go yeah, rip away, mate. <laughs> riff away. So this far, this right? is ridiculous. <laughs> The biggest, the biggest thing is is finding someone to hold you accountable, or finding a way to hold you accountable, uh, because it's it's like any habit. You need to get into the habit before you can call it a habit. And one of the good ways to ha- to to get into a habit is by finding someone or something to hold you accountable. So, if you are looking to lose weight, for instance. You would find a personal trainer you could find a personal trainer who would hold you accountable to go to the gym not only by forcing you to go but by making you pay 300 pounds for access to them for three months or whatever so find someone to hold you accountable to again to checking on you and saying why haven't you posted today what are you posting about this week I'm doing this for a for a firm at the moment that I'm working with and it works because they post every single day. Um, and you know, it's not long, it's not a massive amount of stuff that they're posting, but at least they're posting every day. And that is another great point, which is consistency. I see a lot of people, uh, posting once or posting, you know, every day for one week of a year and then they don't post again for the next six months. And arguably everything that you've just done during that week is completely pointless now, because if you're trying to grow an audience, you don't do that by showing up once and then disappearing for six months so give yourself a target of posting every day for or maybe posting two two times a week for six months and see how Or three months let's reduce that let's just say three months and come up with a bit of a plan of what you're actually going to talk about on there and that's one of the biggest things for people as well so we can come on to that if we want to um but as long as you've got that outlined in front of you that makes it a lot easier to to, to do it as well uh, another thing is where, where there's this thing at the moment called zero click content i don't know if you've seen that mark
0: uh no but i'm intrigued it's uh it's the right catchy phrase to to, to get my attention
1: yes yeah, so i'm actually thinking about launching a course on this here in the uk as well because see a lot of people uh what financial planners posting on social media which is basically a link on their social media with a terrible stock image uh, a link to their blog on their website yeah an article right. uh, cool. yeah I, I i personally i don't know if anyone else in the audience ever does this but i would personally never ever click on that blog uh, i want someone to give me the information now i don't want to have to go down a rabbit hole to get that information i want it now because if you don't give me it now i'm going to find out anyways like i'm going to go somewhere else and find it out so give me that give me that information Remember before when i said get to the point get to the point zero click content is this idea that um people that you create content that people don't even have to click once to to get so if they're just scrolling scrolling through social media Um, the, the argument is, is that you have everything that people need to know either in that post or in that video that saves them from ever having to click on anything that you do. And it also works on Google, for instance, like if, if you put something into Google, a lot of the time Google give brings up stuff. That means you don't actually have to click on anything. So like, I don't know if you ever Googled something and then it comes up with a Wikipedia page to the right hand side, which explains what it is. That's zero-click content because you don't even have to click on the Wikipedia thing. It just brings it up on the right-hand side. So you're like, there we go, done, 10 seconds, I've found out what I need I've, to know. Uh,
0: I've noticed my iPhone does that a bit. If I use the search bar rather than like sending me to the Wikipedia page, it would give me like – so say if I, I, I Googled an actor, rather than sending me to the page, it'll just go, all right, here's a short summary. Is that everything you actually needed? But yeah, it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely brutal. You know, it, it it's it's getting us to the point now where wow, you know, we don't even have to click on anything to get the information that we need. And it's like if you imagine this even 10 years ago, you would have thought like that's some kind of dystopian future that we'll never get to. But we are there now. And the the best content creators and the best people who are using uh, social media as financial planners are creating zero-click content. They're creating stuff that is on that platform, designed for that platform. Which means that people don't even have to go anywhere else to get it. So an, an example is on LinkedIn. If you can create a one-minute video that automatically plays, so if you upload it organically, as in you don't like just post something from YouTube or something like that or repost somebody else's content, uh, if you post that video less than one minute with a bit of a post in there, that's zero click content. Um LinkedIn loves that kind of stuff. So you'll get more impressions, you'll get more likes, you'll get, you know, lots of comments and stuff like that. And it will often, when people are connected with you or following you, it will come up pretty high on their activity feed because you've you've worked with the algorithm to make sure that you come up first as well. Um, So it sounds, I'm using loads of different words here that, People might get a bit confused about, and we can go into any of them. Uh, but of course, we are in a jargon-filled world, aren't we? So. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, just add it to the list of jargon. No, I, I like it. So hold, uh, hold you, get someone to hold you accountable. Consistency, zero-click content, just to name a few. Right, we we could keep going on, on that sort of stuff. But maybe the the point the point I'd like to pause on to 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 summarise some of this and and maybe just unpack a little bit more. It strikes me that a lot of what we've discussed today and a lot of the work that you inherently do for advisors is about presence. So whether it be in your brand and then in your documentation, so making your brand presence shine through in documentation or the experience you provide uh, or, you know, for lead generation and an audience, for example, creating presence um, so that you're available to an audience through social media. Um, you know, it, it starts to create a nice little link for me. I, I wonder if you've got views on, you know if 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 it's social media, um, that may be the the strategy here, but the creating a presence in between meetings, so like we we control presence uh, in meetings through documentation or through the experiences we provide. We're creating presence, for example, uh, through our social media strategy for, for new leads. But it strikes me there's, there's potentially a, if I could coin a phrase, presence gap um, in between in between meetings um, for, for clients there. Do you have a view on that?
1: Uh, yes, and I've, I've, you've touched on one of the most important points that I've have to working talking to a lot a lot of people about rec- at the moment as well uh there's there's we're running out of excuses nowadays to not communicate with our clients uh you know a lot um it, it it really doesn't take that much work to send your clients a quick one minute video in between meetings just to just to let them know where they are so it can often be what could, it can be sometimes like maybe, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but it can often be like maybe four or five, six weeks uh, for clients between that first meeting and the second meeting. So you've talked about all that cool, exciting stuff, you know, like we're going to help you get that motor home when you're 65. We're going to help you retire five years earlier than you thought you were going to. We, we're going to help you get all this awful finance stuff sorted out so you'll never have to think about it again. They come out of that meeting feeling unbelievably excited. You know, they come out of it feeling so relieved because they've been worrying about this for years, maybe. And then it's six weeks before they hear anything from you again. And all that excitement, all that stuff, you need to, in that next meeting, you'll find that you need to reignite it because they'll they'll have forgotten it all. They won't have forgotten it all, but they'll have certainly forgotten a lot of it. So you often find that before you can even get started, you have to reignite all that kind of stuff. And sometimes there's a, that's a beautiful thing because you, you get it again. You get it like, ah, oh, they're, they're they're getting all excited again. But if there's 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 literally no excuse nowadays for us to not send a. Again, this this could be included in the technology that we. That we build for our profession, which is you know that it, you could get something to automatically remind you to send a video to your clients two weeks after that first meeting, just to let them know that you're still thinking of them, what you're on with, and what the next steps are, and and how much more informed can a client feel? I think I, I saw something on well, actually it was one of our directors here at NextGen yesterday he put out a tweet and he said just to remind people, your clients will never get annoyed by being over communicated. They'll only get annoyed by being under communicated to. So you'll never annoy people by sending them, you know, I mean, obviously there is an argument that if you send them a message every single minute of every single day, they'd get annoyed. Yeah. That's probably, there's probably a
0: limit that does exist, but I assume relevance would, would play a key, key role as well, which goes back to your unique service proposition and knowing your clients. Yeah. We're we're tying a nice little bow on this, right?
1: (laughs) We are. And, and no other financial planning firms or a very few financial planning firms are communicating with their clients that much. Um, so you're exactly right, Mark. That is a unique service proposition there to to be the ultimate communication led financial planners. We will communicate very clearly with you very often to make sure that you're always, you always feel like you you can trust us and you're, you're in a trusted pair of hands. That's a unique service proposition right there.
0: There we go. Um, We we couldn't have have planned that better if we tried. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then, mate, thank you so much for for all your insights. We'll sum them up in in a moment. But before we do, uh, what we like to do uh, on our podcast now is for our industry experts to play our little values game and uh, and maybe share um, a, a little bit about themselves. So, I'm going to pull up our um, values cards here and ask you, like I've asked our other industry experts that have come on, um, if you look at uh, these value statements, what what's the value statement that sticks out most for you, and and what's important to you about that?
1: Mm. It's it's an interesting one, this because it's trying. It's like trying to choose a sweet as a child because it's like I want I <laughs> want almost all of them um but i think for me it's it's on the social um it's in the social area and it is it dedicate more time to those i care about um so just like anyone who uh is working hard and is trying to be innovative and trying to change things you know there are certain pulls on different aspects of life um, if you want to get somewhere you have to make certain sacrifices and those sacrifices for me, are often spending time with people that I care about. And, you know, for instance, my dog, uh, my 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 partner Jess, uh, it could go as simple as my friends, it could go with my family, um, all of those types of things. Uh that is something that when I do it, uh that when when I look back on it, I remember it as a really good day. You know, I, I could I could buy something new and forget about it. 10 minutes afterwards but those days where i actually spend time with people that i care about i remember those for years and years and years and years i can remember every single piece of that day um so for me that is absolutely is is to dedicate more time to those i care about and that's from a selfish perspective of it makes me happier but also hopefully well i can't guarantee (laughs) this but hopefully it would make them happier as well
0: (laughs) it depends on how good you were i guess uh, maybe we we'll yeah, have to ask know, your partner jess uh for an assessment but um i, I love that hopefully, story
1: i think we've been we've been together for we've been together for six years so hopefully she might say that she would agree with me <laughs> well <laughs> yeah. i can't guarantee that of course
0: so, uh, we can we can yeah. bring her in and and uh and continue the exercise dan i <laughs> yeah. i think it's a great i think it's a great thing i loved what you said there around you know i might not remember what i've bought but I do remember the experiences I've uh, I've created, the memories I've created with those people. And, you know, I think that's at, at a core, right? When we, we get to maybe reflecting back on our life, those are the things that we're going to remember and, uh, and mean the most to us. So I appreciate you sharing that. Dan, what a great conversation for our Lumia Live audience. We've covered uh, things like how to build a story brand, how to build a unique service proposition. I love... The exercise you you suggested there around the the uh, brand audit, and in particular, if you haven't created a brand, one of the things that you could do is is get uh, is list five negative experiences your your clients might have if they didn't work with you. Um, I think that's such a powerful powerful tool. Um, we spoke a little bit around. Um, what are the things that we could be doing better as an industry? Um, and, uh, you know, one of those things we led into was obviously social media and how we could. We could um, we could use social media better to help tackle the organic growth problem that we know exists uh, for some firms, and that it all boils down to creating that presence, uh, whether it be upfront through your lead generation, um, in in front of a client through the experiences you create, whether it be documents or meeting experience or technology, and then in between meetings, um, as you put it. We're running out of running out of excuses not to to communicate with clients, and I love that um, in a client focused community like yourself and this industry. I think it's a really pertinent point. So, Dan, mate, thank you so much for uh, for being our first UK uh, guest. Thank you. Getting up nice and early to to record this with us, mate. Um, we really appreciate it. So so thank you on behalf of the entire Lumiant Live audience.
1: That has been a pleasure. Um, yeah, thank you so much, man. I can't believe we've been talking for like 40, 45 minutes now. It's it's absolutely flew by. But that was great fun. And um, yeah, I must say a big thank you to everyone uh, in the audience as well, because I know it's not easy to listen to someone with a Northern English uh, <laughs> accent for, for, for too long, but um, hopefully you've you've managed to to last until the end. And if you have, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, mate. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to
0: another episode of Lumiant Live. If you really enjoyed it, we'd love if you could hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast provider so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming
1: episodes. Thanks again for tuning in.